Hey, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of the underground experience around the world. How you doing? This is Uncle Earl, your host, Captain and DJ here in the Big Apple, New York City. How you? I'm doing well. I'm settling in a little bit better now. I've been here a couple of weeks and I'm starting to feel the groove and feel the vibe and getting ready to get my real big... uh jump start on making things happen here on the east coast but today i have a very special show it's called the end of summer music special and i have a very special guest mr morgan margolis who is the ceo and president of knitting factory entertainment and if you don't know who that is you better go ask somebody <laughs> actually this is an interview that i did earlier in the in the spring so to speak and uh, it was at the digital hollywood summit at the marina del rey ritz carlton and um i just held on to it for a while and i think right now is a good time for the music scene and he's doing some great things they started the new federal bar here in brooklyn recently and um they're growing. He's got a lot of information and talking music. Oh my gosh, I've got a bevy of music for you today. This is our end of the summer music special, so I will be featuring music from the DJ Pool VIP Ultima, from Paper Bag Records, from Music and Film. It will be international from around the world, all genres, and I'm going to be heavily into the dance scene today because it's the end of summer and we need to dance on up out of here. But before I go, I want to give a little special mention for Mr. Bob Bennett, who was a member of the Soul Connect, and he has recently passed away. And um, I received notice from my good buddy, Mr. Chris Rizik from Soul Trackers, and I have a little passage that I'd love to read for you guys from Chris. And I quote, I'm very sad to report to Soul Trackers the death of famed radio disc jockey Bobby Bennett at age 72. For me, this story is extremely personal. Because without Bobby Bennett, Soul Tracks would not exist. But more on that in a minute. Bobby had a brilliant career, most of which was in the D.C. area where he was known as the Midnight Mighty Burner and hosted a very popular show on WOLAM in the 1970s. It was during that period that he was named Disc Jockey of the Year by Billboard magazine. He later went on to become program director for WHURFM before entering the new stage of his career around the turn of the century as the creator of the Soul Street Station on fledgling satellite radio network XM Radio. He also authored the book, The Ultimate Soul Trivia Book, and was a virtual encyclopedia on all things soul. During Bobby's time on Soul Street at XM Radio, he contacted me. I didn't know him, but he had seen a few of soul music biographies that I had written on David Nathan's soulmusic.com website. Bobby asked if I would create a soul music biography show that he would run on Soul Street. I did a couple of shows for him. And that convinced me to follow my passion as a writer and to create a soul music information website where I could honor the same artists that he was playing on Soul Street. So, 
on Memorial Day weekend in 2003, the homepage of SoulTracks.com went live for the first time. And the story of this site, now thousands of reviews, news stories, and biographies later, began. I only did a couple of shows on XM Radio, and Bobby and I lost touch. But I continued to listen to his show when I could, and I often thought about the unlikely confluence of events in 2003 that led to the creation of this website that has meant so much to me and hundreds of thousands of other people. And those events began with the mighty burner, Mr. Bobby Bennett. For that, and for his long career of bringing joy to soul music fans, I will forever remain grateful. Godspeed, Bobby, by Chris Rizik. What great words. Um, I'm, I'm speechless by that. And since we're in that vibe, I'd love to feature a Soul Tracks artist. His name is Mr. Ola Onabule, and he is simply unmistakable. From his regal demeanor to that voice, an expressive baritone that bursts from the speakers on every release. Last year, Soul Tracks spotlighted the fantastic remix of his classic song, Soul Town, and just whetted our appetites for more Ola. He will deliver his eighth studio album, It's the Peace That Deafens, coming September 18th. Oh my gosh, it passed. <laughs> Ola leads off the album with the timely John Corico. In it, a man pays the supreme price for stealing a loaf of bread, his life snuffed out by the outrage of an angry mob. Check it out. He was born There was no doubt in his mind He get sore Cause they put them at the bar So free and climb But that dread fear in his eyes As he was wrong And the man in crowd And chase and free and see You know victory Would come off on his run In the burning sun Of that September morn Just 
Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? This is Uncle Earl, your host, captain, and DJ of the Ultimate Underground Experience here in Los Angeles. And I am here at day three of Digital Hollywood at the Marina Del Rey Ritz-Carlton. I have a gentleman here who is a multifaceted, multi-talented, just all-around guy. He works with Knitting Factory Entertainment. And he was here on a very special panel discussion in regards to live music, bands, and promotions, and venues, and everything you need to know about the independent side of music. And his name is Mr. Morgan Margolis. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How could I not be doing well sitting out in the yes, beautiful sunshine and rain in Del Rey? Water, so we just yachts, need, you know, we, we just need some margaritas. We need some margaritas. We're set. Yes, so. yes. So you, you, first of all, you're a New Yorker. I am a New Yorker. I, I am uh, I'm born and raised in Manhattan. Uh, my parents are still there from the uh, East Village and then uh, 6th Street between 1st and 2nd before it was cool mm -hmm. and then Tribeca before it was cool. Okay, so my, when, when did you defect? I defected. Uh, that's, that's, that's funny. I left Russia. No, I, defe I defected in... Uh, yeah, right before the earthquake, 91. It's okay. been a while. I moved out here with my girlfriend who became my wife, three kids later. Okay. I go back for business all the time. My parents are still there, so. Okay, and before all of this major endeavors that you're doing, what did you, what was your, what were you doing in New York? I mean, before you got into the Mine is a strange, uh, how I got into the music yeah. entertainment business. Um, I come from a family of actors. My father is a well-known actor, Mark Margolis. You might know him from Breaking Bad and a million other things. Yes. Um, I went to high school performing arts in New York. Oh, you did. I did. I'm in the last graduating class of the, uh, on 46th Street, actually. Wow. So I, um, Were you in the movie? I was not in the movie Fame, <laughs> but I know Erica Gimbel and a couple other people from, okay. from the film. Cool. Uh, we were not dancing on cars, um, but I did have to wear tights. So, <laughs> back in the 80s, it was okay. Um, so, I went away to college to get away from the arts. I went the other way. Um, I went to Stony Brook University. I turned down Carnegie Mellon, NYU, and all these other art schools because I had grown up in it. And I was going to go to law school. And I kind of got back into it in college. I started to do plays again and I was in a, and I was gonna, I came out and I thought, you know, I'm going to skip law school and I'm going to start I'm going to pursue acting again. I, that's what I had and I started working a good amount. And uh, like most actors, I immediately got a job at a bar. Took my college degree <laughs> the right direction. And um, I got it. What was this? 88. I started to work at like Emerald City on 57th Street and I started oh, doing wow. security. Yeah, remember that? So I was doing security, working bars, I was an actor, and uh, pursuing that, did decently well, a bunch of episodics, and work in that world, and um, then as, as it went along, I started to get more into management, and then I started to get involved in building the bars, and started to get into the operations of the bars. And But had you studied that, or you just No, I just, I, you know, I, you know I, my grandfather um, actually owned a meatpacking and producing company in, in Queens, in Jamaica, and was kind of a self-made guy from Boston, and kind of my, it's weird, I've had this art and commerce, my parents were actors, my grandfather was this meatpacking produce guy, I had this business, it is, and I had a business head, and I had also a lot of summer jobs, I had done a lot of construction, and I just love the nuts and bolts and operations of bars, restaurants, and clubs, and that's what really got me into that world. Um, so in my 20s, uh, I came to L.A. 
I did like six months like a lot of people do and then I just like I hate this place I'm going back okay. so I went back <laughs> and then I decided my girlfriend and I to move to California and I was at that point I was literally I was I was going to pursue acting I came out here 20 plus years ago did you ever do stage like Broadway I did a, no not Broadway theater? but I did a lot of off-Broadway okay. stage really I was I, I and funny enough I I kind of made a lot of money in commercials a lot of episodics okay. uh, TV movies and I, I I had made a bunch of money in commercials which brought me to LA 20 years ago back in so I said, I, yeah, back in the day when you can make money in commercials. Right. Um, so when I got here, the first thing I did, I've always, no matter how much money I had, I always, uh, I always worked. So I got a job in a bar immediately. I ended up, I started working at, um, started working in Pasadena at a bar. And then I started working at Luna Park on Robertson. And then I started running, I was bar managing and running their ops and running okay. their events. Like yeah. I said, my story is strange. It was hey, no silver spoon you know, story. I come from the underbelly. Let people know uh, that it's not easy to it is get not, It is it's, not it's, easy. It's not I mean, I, um, what I did identify, I was living in, uh, in the Hollywood Hills, was, this is 20 years ago, was I saw Studio City uh, as a place that needed to have some sort of entertainment element and I was like god I need to build a bar in this area and this is 20 years ago but now it's blowing up yeah yeah so I bounced around from bars and I started getting more and more into ops and running more places and running music venues and then in 2000 I went to Knitting Factory which was on Hollywood Boulevard yes. the old Knitting yes, Factory club yes, yes. Uh, and I came in as the ops manager I was all the bars and the restaurant and that whole world and then uh, over time, I started to pull away from acting. I just decided it was draining me. I didn't have the... It's almost like you're... Hopefully I'm not talking too much. No, no, no. It's it's almost like you're, you know, if your families are doctors, do you want to be a doctor? You know, I, I, I wasn't... I always loved the craft of acting, but I did not love the grind of it. So I started to... You know, the, I started to just Rejection. drill... <laughs> it's, it's funny, I'm on the other side of the table now, and I feel for from actors to artists to painters yeah. to... Uh, it's so hard for me. It's tough for me because some, some of my people even tell me like I, I have a soft spot too much because I feel the plight of every artist when they come out because I know what it's like it's a to good be. Thing. Yeah, it can, it's fantastic. Sometimes it, it I, I let, I, I give it too long of a rope yeah. sometimes uh, because of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for those who don't know, for those who don't oh, know, yes, for those who don't know. For those who don't know, oh, oh. welcome to my life, where it's devastation and hardship. Yet every day it's positivity. I start with to make it out the ghetto. It's my target. The big guys I use them system try to stall it. They say destruction of the poor that is them profit. That's why we can't get the food out of the market. Them import from overseas then use them system to extract it to feed them filthy eco while them kids get fat from shopping. In and the ghetto where we live. Right next door to negative and positive Where you find those who come to lead And some of those who come deceive us Some angels, some demon This system cultivate much uh-huh. Them no care bro, you're brilliant and modest Them no care bro, you're brilliantly honest And you the police always come to arrest When they live in a that inner city address I tell them about the slum I just tell them about the struggles how it run Yes, I mean if you tell you about it Oh yes, all about it uh. Tell you about it, depression never doubt it uh. Those who don't know I just tell them about the slum I just tell them about the struggles how it run Yes, I mean if you tell you about it Oh yes, all about it uh. Tell you about it, depression
pressure never doubt it for those who don't know I ya tell them about the pressure where them half load for enough Get a youth so you have to face it at the crossroad Bigger heads them only come here when them want food Cause them not really care about the youth them on the card load Them be a gun and tell your war don't stop Now we not send you to dead make them not talk about that No, they be here crying out for help and give you code in 2012 And when they look another dark cloud drop yes, sir. I ya tell them about the slum I ya tell them about the struggles how it run Yes, I mean if you tell you about it Oh yes, all about it uh. Tell you about it, the pressure never doubt it uh. Those who don't know I ya tell them about the slum I ya tell them about the struggles how it run Yes, I mean if you tell you about it Oh yes, all about it uh. Tell you about it, the pressure never doubt it For those who don't know For those who don't know For those who don't know for those who don't know, trench down. For those who don't know, jungle. For those who don't know, in a breakdown. For those who don't know, rockport and harborview. For those who don't know, Caribbean shooter I ya tell them about the slum. I ya tell them about the struggles how it run. Yes, I mean if you tell you about it, oh yes, all about it. Uh. Tell you about it, the pressure never doubt it. Uh. Those who don't know, I ya tell them about the slum. I ya tell them about the struggles how it run Yes, I mean if you tell you about it Oh yes, all about it uh. Tell you about it, the pressure never doubt it For those who don't know Hey there, you just heard a brand new track From the upcoming reggae root star, Damas He has a fast growing portfolio of conscious music. Damas is also a co-pioneer of the now popular reggae revival movement who often mixes old style reggae with modern hip-hop and a growing movement throughout Europe and some parts of the U.S. West Coast. The artist recently released his Nati Takeover debut album that has been getting some rave reviews from indie music enthusiasts worldwide. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get back to Mr. Morgan Margolis of The Knitting Factory. So I started running ops, and then I got to, I became the GM. Uh, and then, at that point, we were Knitting Factory in New York and L.A., and then we were starting to, the old CEO was starting to expand. And he bought out two clubs, Boise and Spokane, the Big Easy. Um, and at that point, I became, they were looking for somebody to be the vice president of West Coast Operations to oversee it all. And I, and I am a big believer in, and I try to teach my kids this, that the only way you get ahead is, I hate to say be the squeaky wheel, but you really need to be. If you have drive and you have ambition and you know what you're doing, then raise your hand. So it yeah. took me a long I kept raising my hand. Yeah. Saying, if you need a vice president, I'm the guy, I'm the guy, I'm the guy. They kept wanting they kept looking outside, outside, and I said, <laughs> let me right So they said, We'll give you a shot. We'll, <laughs> you'll, we'll. So I stepped in and then I oversaw Boise, Spokane and LA. And then New York was having some problems and then I oversaw New York. So I had the whole thing. And I was the VP of West Coast Operations, then I became the VP of National. And then in two thousand eight uh, it's, a, it's too long of a story of friction with the old CEO and myself and numerous other players within the company. Um, I became the CEO of the whole company. And then at that point, yeah, so it's a, it's a run from 2000 to 2008. And in that eight-year run, I went yeah. from bar ops to ops to GM to VP, VP national to CEO. That's great. So then I started to expand the company because uh, I, I, 
we opened up Knitting Factory Reno, and I worked with my team. Um, what I realized up in the Pacific Northwest was I had a lot of really terrific employees that were being mismanaged. So I'm a big believer in hiring very well, hiring people that actually know more than you, but being able to run your ship and being very strategic and specific. And I, I am, I am. Maybe it comes from years playing football too. I, I'm. I could, I, I could, you know, it's almost like the military. Yeah. As long as you, you know, I'm always a more of a yes creative guy. So I give people, I'm like, let's go try it first. Let's see if it's going to work. I'm not, I'm like, no, that's never going to work. Right. Let's see. Right. And Well, we did it before it didn't work. Well, maybe we did it the wrong way. Let's try it this way. So I just, I saw Knitting Factory as a brand and potentially in the brand because we've been around since 87 yeah. and knew that we had the opportunity to grow the band, to grow the brand and be something different. Meanwhile, I also saw that the the music industry is so difficult and making money at venues is so hard that I went, you know what, we need to start stepping into hospitality. I know this world well. I built bars, I ran bars, and I had this concept uh, for a bar restaurant and uh, I found this building in North Hollywood and I turned that into the Federal Bar. And that was a. I was just there the other night. Fantastic! Yeah, that was on that's soul, my. Soul Saturday. That I would say from the tongue <laughs> on the fork, fork to the, to the to the fonts on the menu. That one was my baby. Wow. Now it's never a one man show. I from my my director of West Coast Ops to my COO to my CFO. All these guys bust their ass. All these guys and girls and built this together. I'm a conceptual guy. Um, we built that one. Then we built Long Beach. Now we're building one in Brooklyn. Um, How many are there in total? Federals, there are two right now, uh, North Hollywood, Long Beach. We're building one in Brooklyn next to the Knitting Factory, so it'll be the third. Then we built Bowen Truss, which is our Latin yeah. restaurant, okay. um, and we're really expanding our hospitality division. Um, in the midst of all this, we, we expanded our label division, so we have Knitting Factory Records, and we bought out the catalog of Fela um, from Universal, yeah. so we have all of Fela. And, and uh, we've released wow. some Femi records from Jayoon. So that's kind of our world artist record. And then we bought into a label called Partisan. Mm -hmm. And those guys also run KF Records. Wow. Um, and Partisan has like uh, Deer Tick and Sylvanesso and uh, Fox and uh, Heartless Bastards and on and, and on. And you, you pretty much oversee that as well. Yeah, I have, you know, the way that any, I think every company runs is I have uh, leaders in each. So I have my Tim and Ian are the leaders of that division, just like Greg is. Greg Marchand is my uh, CEO and he oversees the club, so I oversee all of it, but in no way do I ever claim that I have more expertise in, there are expert, there's areas that I have very specific expertise, like ops, hands down, label, um, I have taste in music, uh, and I'm good with numbers, that's, I think, I'm lucky that I, but the, the I have guys who are very good in growing those brands and you know we're in discuss I mean I'm in steady discussion all the all, all the time so then I uh, then I wanted to expand it to film and television Needless so to say why not I knew that world <laughs> really you know it's funny pocket. I knew that world but it also came from a an aspiration to get the music that we had into film and TV so uh, a guy I met Van Johnson who was at Entitled was leaving and wanted to open his own company we mm -hmm. invested in Van Johnson and Van has done very well, mainly talent. He's got leads on multiple shows, Revenge and a lot of other shows. Van's a great guy. Um, then we got invested into PR. So it's all kind of, it literally went from this two venue operation to 600 employees national. Um, 
you know, t- it's just become this. Hence the word empire. Yeah, I, I, empire. <laughs> I, I am. I laugh. I mean, I'm, I'm just. A, everybody says they're down to earth, but I, I'm, I'm the guy who I, I have trouble, sort of sometimes giving up my old like. You know, back when we were launching Federal, I was picking the draft beer. I have an affinity for it. I love it, but there's a point at which I have to let. Like we're doing Federal in New York. They said, "Do you want to?" I'm like, "No, somebody no, else." <laughs> like I don't. I mean, I'm, yeah. I've been in deals where I'm dealing with multi-million-dollar deals, yet I'm looking at what should be on tap. So it's kind of a strange yeah. world. Delegate. Delegate. I way. delegate well, and I've got. I've learned to pass off stuff to my assistant. My friends bust, bust my chops now, and they say, "Oh, now we got to talk to your assistant." I'm wow. like, "No."
with Dream Cheaps with Electricity, and they are formerly John and Luke, and they are an alternative indie rock band out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Cousins John Tuttle, 18, and Luke Tuttle, 20, started playing music together at a young age. John started playing guitar at five years old. Around that same time, Luke started playing the piano and keys. They've been playing music together ever since. Despite their young age, these guys are extremely passionate and are serious about their music. Dream Chief is now currently building a fan base and in the process of creating fresh new music. And now back to our moment with Mr. Morgan Margolis of The Knitting Factory. Okay, well, we, we got you down now. We know what's you, you going got, on you with got you. got a lot of stuff. We know what's going on with you. So, yeah. now, let's, how was today? How was the panel discussion today, Corey? You know, interesting. It, it, it's, it was, you know, there were some guys, you know, very, very deep layered guys on that panel. Were you, I don't know if you were in the panel. I missed it you missed, today. So yeah, the panel, you know, it was yeah. very much on the on the digital space mm -hmm. of, of live streaming. Mm -hmm. And... Oh, yeah, Kev's digital capable. Uh, Brooklyn is digital Brooklyn. cable, and we have one other club that is... Well, any club, I guess, would be digital Could cable. Be. But yeah. Brooklyn it has a three-camera robotic system, and we have live streamed, and we're working that world a lot. Um, you know, most of the guys in that panel, except for two of us, were are very much in that space. That's where, like, one guy he films all of Coachella. He, you know, uh, other guys deal with all the analytics. I was probably put on that panel uh, and asked to be on it because I come from from a different side, from the artist perspective, from the venue perspective. Yeah. They need the diversity. I, they do, but at first, you know, I'll be honest, you know, I told uh, my PR guy, I said, you know, it's not my wheelhouse specifically, and here we are at Digital Hollywood, and we are in the digital space because yes. what we do, but it's not my daily world. You know, I, I'm, you start talking about, you know, uniques, paid views, analytics, and I start to nod out. Okay. <laughs> Stats I'll, and things I'll like that, honest. number crunching. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I'd rather look at a spreadsheet on the, on the, on the settlement of a tour than I would okay. that, but, I, but I'm very much, you know, the digital world of selling music is heavy for us. We have labels, the, the social world of selling tickets, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and Insta Instagram and, and, so, so how was the panel? The panel was great. I, I actually uh, some some good questions. Um, do you do you get to do discussions like this? Or is, I, I or is do this new to you. More and more, I'm more getting asked more. on panels, and they're really diverse. You know, one was I did one a couple months ago that had to deal with uh, the food space. You know, would dealt with you know our venues getting more and more into this food space because it can't just be all about the music. And I, it's funny. I look at every, I look at everything as hospitality, right? It all is engagement and hospitality. Right. It's, and I always say this. Uh, it's like when you go out to eat. You know, when I go to a restaurant, um, if I have, and my meal's okay, but my service is fantastic, I'll come back. If I have an incredible meal, blows my mind, and I have crappy service, I am not happy. So it's about yeah. it's about the fan engagement, the the community, how you deal with people, and all of that is the same thing. I mean, what are we all talking about? Digital and streaming. What is it right. really? Exactly. It's engagement. Engagement. What is going to keep its engagement? And then we start getting into monetized engagement. Okay, well, the youth of America doesn't want to pay for anything. Right. So how are we going to get them? Because they can watch 50 million YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. Why are they watching? How am I going to get them to pay for your show? Right. And that's the difficulty that we're. And I don't think anybody has really 
I'm waiting for somebody to find the crystal ball on that because it's very hard. I think it's a long time coming. That was the, that was they asked us at the end. What's what's your crystal ball on all this? And I and I said, you know, where do you see it in three years? And I and I, I don't see that space changing in three years. Yeah, it's because it's spun. It's kind of spun out of control. Actually, it's 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 an open. I mean, it's perpetual. It's the universe. It's air. I mean, it's clouds. It's all this. I mean, there's ways to sneak in. There's ways to grab it. You know, so it's it's got to be. For it, people will find a way. Yeah, it's got to be. It. It's got to be. You know. Uh, most of it nowadays is is underwritten by sponsors and brands, but then now the brands are savvy. We were that's what we talked about on the panel too. It's like the brand days of and you've been this a long time. The yeah. brand days of looking at Jaeger Meister as a banner on the stage are over. Brands want you know why should I engage with your artist and your why should I give you that money? Right. What's my return on that? Those eyeballs aren't going to work. So and how soon? And how soon? <laughs> and at, you know, my idea, and what I've been working towards, is like in Brooklyn. You know, because we have thousands of shows a year. If we could get the bands to buy into it, where it's like, say, it's a 50-50 split, and we could form a web-based archive of all of the shows that ever were played in Knitting Factory. Wow. And then you could come to the site and say, for five bucks a month, which is not a lot of money, you could get, watch every one of those shows, and then we'd have to, you know, can we track that money, and then the band, the hard thing is if you've shot four bands, somebody is on a $5 subscription, how's the split? So we're still trying to figure that out. My goal also is, can you find a way to get that engagement in like Asia or Europe where we have brand presence? People know Knitting Factory and they may go, oh, that's so cool. Uh, there's a band that I, I've i heard of, but I can't be at that show. It's a $12 show, but I'm I'm an eight-hour time difference. Now I can go on and for a buck I can... I think yeah. that's where there may be some. That's all. It's tedious work. I mean... Well, I talked tuning. to uh, Hank, who he's the producer of all the Coachella. Did you watch Coachella? On? I do. I do. Yeah. So this it's year, the Coachella experience online was incredible. They did the most amazing job ever. And I said to him, I said, "So I bet because I think it was a T-Mobile or AT&T underwrote the whole I, thing. One of the two brands." <laughs> I said, "I bet next year um, you're going to charge for it." And of course, that's their goal because. Now that it's such a great experience, I would actually go back and I would pay for it. Now I'm not the demographic, <laughs> but so what? Right. You know, maybe you know, if fifty thousand guys and girls over forty are going to pay for it, right. and around the world, it's endless. Around the world, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's the thing. Wow. Okay, so I'm giving you enough information. You've given me a lot of information. <laughs> Hi guys, this is Mirati, and you're listening to the Voice of the People. Myself too seriously Thought I had to solve life's great mysteries Being on time when nobody else cared Spinning my wheels and going nowhere But all is not lost as long as there's hope Sunlight and shadows, they come and they go But I've got this feeling inside of my soul that it's about time I take it all in and look for the beauty just beneath the skin it'll be just fine even though I don't know what waits for me tomorrow along life's road 
sweet it is. That was a special treat for my buddies over at Music and Film. And that was Mr. Greg Freeman with Sunlight and Shadows. Now, for those of you who don't know, Greg Freeman, whose interviews and authoritative writing have highlighted the careers of Grammy Award winners and music legends for more than a decade, is excited about the release of his first radio single, Sunlight and Shadows. Having garnered airplay on a syndicated show in India and Dubai in November of 2014, the song has generated positive feedback from near and far, and Freeman feels that it's time to take the song to the masses. Freeman acknowledges that his band of country music is different from the fray. Change is inevitable in all genres of music. Younger artists are constantly coming up with more progressive styles and often edgier content, Freeman says. But I think there are there's room in every genre for all sorts of creativity, and one need not fit certain stereotypes or push boundaries to please lovers of good music. He says, I incorporate both traditional and contemporary styles into my writings and recordings, and listeners will gravitate to what they enjoy, regardless of who is topping the charts or receiving the most airplay. Known in Nashville circles and elsewhere for writing gospel, contemporary Christian songs, Freeman, like many recording artists and writers, is versatile and not easily defined by musical style. Considering that his catalog is almost entirely gospel music, perhaps even more interesting that his first commercial release would be a country song. That, said Freeman, who frequently collaborates with Dove award-winning gospel artist Babby Mason, and has co-written two country songs with multiple Emmy Award winner Cheryl Rogers, who produced a track on the Grammy Award-winning tribute 
the songs of Andre Crouch, describes sunlight and shadows as an upbeat stop and smell the roses song, and he is confident that music lovers will find it message and sounds infectious. I did. I hope you did too. His intention with Sunlight and Shadows is not unlike his gospel songs. Adding, my songwriting is a form of self-expression, quite often very personal and introspective, and I suspect that fans of my country songs will enjoy my gospel material and vice versa. At least, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> you be the judge. Okay, now let's get on back to Mr. Morgan Margolis. All right, see y'all in a bit. Ciao. <laughs> What I'd like now is, say for instance, someone who wants to get into the industry of what you do, what is your best advice for them? Which part of what I do? You know, <laughs> I mean, getting into the entertainment side of it, you know, the clubs and management and hospitality. I mean, oh, um, I know it's not an easy journey, but sh they should just start anywhere. They should start as a waiter. They should, I mean, yeah, yeah. If you, you know, it depends you know. on, you know, for my, like I said, my world is very diverse. Um, I... I'm a very internal hire. Like I am always trying to spot talent from within my organization, whether they be the dishwasher or the bar back. If I like our our one of our security guys at the old knitting factory, who became the head of security at knitting factory, has been our GM in Reno now for five years. We spotted him, saw his talent, and we try to bring up from within. Um, one of my old talent buyers was a DJ, worked the box office, became a junior talent buyer, then a senior talent buyer worked for us for years and now he works for Golden Voice and he books the Roxy. So I you know it depends on who you are for me. Um, if you're if you're say you're whether you're coming out of school or you're not coming out of school and you want to break into let's call it the bar industry, you gotta start at the bottom. You don't you don't just walk on and start slinging drinks. There's an art to the poor. There's an art to serve food. Guy works prep. So I always believe that you know coming into a place engaging and trying to get that job and and being honest about it and I, I hire people all the time I mean my I mean they're coming to me or I, they're coming to my GM's um, friends of mine hit me for gigs all the time and I say look I'm gonna send you my GM and you know sometimes my GM's are harder than I am they'll say oh, they don't have any experience I'll say so what do they have a smile can they talk to people put them at the front let them be a host let them start to understand the hospitality business because it is much more difficult than you realize. Let me see what they're like when there's 50 people waiting mm. and they're stressing. Let me see what they're like when it's... You want to know a big business lesson for me 20 years ago, bartending? Be five deep at the bar mm. when you got no backup and everybody's screaming at you. The rest yeah. of this shit becomes... That doesn't, doesn't mean a my thing. Weekend, I, my world can go and I'm like... They, I saw. I read an article years ago that they said the stress level of a bartender is the same as a fighter pilot. It was in the front of the Daily News, and I sometimes I'm like, they're like, how do you stay cool on all this? And, and I go, think about this as the night gets later, and they've had a few. Yeah. Ooh. Well, then you may want to have a few too. So that's that's the other. <laughs> wow. So back to your que well, your question yeah. of, of um, depends on which part of the industry. You know, if you're, mm. all, you know, for the label side, start as an intern or you start, you know, low-level assistant, and then you just move your way up. And then my label guys, uh, I've watched them, they keep hiring, moving talent up. They spot somebody, and now, you know, one of our guys became our head of A&R. So we're very much 
it's rare that I'm looking at your degree on your resume. I don't care if it says Harvard to nothing. Um, you know, I'll take it's a the nothing industry. Try to teach my try to teach my own kids. You know, I, I maybe I should put on a podcast, but I came from a, a very uh, not a difficult childhood with parents who were fabulous. Parents are lovely, but I came from tough neighborhoods in New York City in the seventies. You know, New York oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It wasn't what it is. And I look at my kids today, and I like, yes, I'm the CEO of a company. I do fine. I'm not doing Live Nation fine, but I do well. Yeah. Um, and I look at my pampered three kids, and I and and I and I'm tough on them. I'm like, you guys need to work for it. You need to. You can't just sit back and. There, there's too many people out there that are willing to fight for it. I'm like, not one thing that I got today came from from without me pushing hard at it, raising my hand, yeah, knocking on that. the door, bashing at it nonstop. You know, I look at the people in my company who are coming at me. They go, are we bothering you too much? I'm like, no, you're not bothering me. I'll tell you if you're bothering me, but if you want to show me something and you have an idea, I've got a marketing guy right now who came to me with a great idea. He's a junior marketing guy. He said, am I in your way? I said, no, man. He goes, I want to launch this. I said, go launch it. That's it. I said, go launch it, man. Right. Because you're only as good as your weakest link. So if you've got somebody, why not? Look, a lot of people within my company, some of them 15 years ago slung drinks with me, and they're still with me. And we're still close, and I I know that I can go home and sleep at night because let's be honest, bars, restaurants, the profit, the, the centers are at that bar. Money walks out the door. Right. I know everything's safe. They have my back. I have their back, and that's the way I work. So, yeah. well, I think that's a nice little wrap up. <laughs> Thank well, you for the time. Today. Thank you for the time, and you know. All the, everything you're doing, the venues, presentations, hospitality, records, film and TV, and PR, the clubs. Good luck with the new clubs and new Thank venues. You. And on with Upper Soldiers, man. Thanks for taking the Would time you with me. You know, tell them the website. Oh, what no. they hit from you? Oh, the, the uh, knittingfactory.com. Yes. That's it. We have knittingfactory.com. We got the federal.com. We got partisan.com. KFRecords.com. There's. You're but if you go to knitting, if you now. go to if you go to knittingfactory.com, that's the mother hub. The mother. Yes, it is. Uh, we are not a textile company. Okay. That's the one thing I have. <laughs> yeah, you know, everything is up there. All right. Well, thank you so much. Hey, have a thank great you day. Time. Pleasure, yeah, thank man. you I so hope much. It all, I feel like I talk too right. much of these No, things. don't worry about it. All right.
Marshall Cunningham with That Good Feeling. But before I go on and tell you about it, I want to thank Mr. Morgan Margolis once again for sitting down and chatting with uh, Uncle Earl about music, life, the biz, and all the crazy stuff. But yes, that was That Good Feeling by Marshall Cunningham. After 13 weeks of writing, recording, mixing, and mastering, this singer-songwriter and producer, Timothy Reismus, have created a funk soul pop EP that would be sure to get you dancing to work on a Monday morning. With inspiration stemming from superstar James Brown and newer sensation Bruno Mars, Marshall Cunningham brings back the classic sounds of dance funk that many of us have grown to love. 13 was made to electrify the dance floors again and to energize listeners from all around the world. And now that um, we kind of got into that mood, I want to continue the dance theme, and I'm going to be boasting for the next 15 minutes a non-stop dance music suite. Starting off with a group out of South Africa called the Black Sons, and then we'll be going to Mr. Lenny Fontana featuring Paula P.K., who is a top-notch Berlin dance music singer. And then we're going to follow it up with Killer by Edom and Carez out of the UK. You're going to love this. I'm not going to talk anymore. We're just going to go for it. Y'all ready to dance for a minute on Monday? Or any day you get this? Here we go. <laughs>
gentlemen i'd like to do something that i have not done on the ultimate underground experience ever and that is to feature the toronto music festival and paper bag records which was founded in 2002 paper bag records has worked tirelessly to become one of north america's leading independent record labels and continues to establish itself as an indie powerhouse around the world they're proud to be based in toronto one of the most exciting and talent-rich music scenes in the world and they take it upon themselves to serve up some of the best new music in the city and that it has to offer they strongly believe in moving great Canadian music forward for the world to hear. Back in the day, Paperback Records helped release Broken Social Scenes, You Forgot It, In People, Stars, Heart, and Tokyo Police Clubs, A Lesson in Crime. Broken Social Scenes album went on to win a Juno Award, not bad for the label's first year in business. Paperback Records has been through a number of transformations over the years. They've assembled an incredible and ever-growing team of artists who continue to write sensational music and tour the planet. Their roster to date includes Ostra, Bon Ruffians, CFCF, Cuff the Duke, Elliot Brood, P.S. I Love You, The Rural Alberta Advantage, Slim Twig, Winter Gloves, Wood Hands, You Say Party, and Young Galaxy to name a few. With these next tracks I'm going to play for you, you'll get a feel of the artist by checking out, you know, their sound and their diversity. They're now celebrating their 10th anniversary, and best of all, they're looking forward to even more music as they add Yamantaka, Sonic Titan, The Luyas, Moonface, and Juno Award winner Tim Hacker to the Paperbag family. Sit tight and keep your ears to the ground for more information or to make your life easier you can just sign up on their website which is paperbagrecords.com but right now I'm going to give you a healthy heaping dose starting out with Miss Alana York following with Princess Century and Sam Roberts Band check this out Growing up, 
This is Ron Avenue. You're now tuned in with the Ultimate Underground Experience radio show. Hey everyone, this is Ricky Rebel, and you are listening to the Underground Experience Radio Show.
She digs deep into your spirit to bring your characters to life. The Marishka Phillips Theatrical Preparatory. For more information, visit www.marishkasphillips.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of the Ultimate Underground Experience, that about does it for today. I hope you had a good time with me. I had a great time presenting this to you. And... Uh, I want to thank again Mr. Morgan Margolis of the Knitting Factory Entertainment Company, CEO and President. And, um, you know, just look for more great things coming from me. I'm, I'm reaching out higher and higher and higher 
every day, every moment, I'm reaching, I'm not stopping, and Uncle Earl will be releasing some more music soon, there'll be videos, there'll be a tour, and oh, there will be a New York performance um, called Pandora's Box, and that's going to be presented by my sister Marishka Phillips Theatrical Preparatory, and it's going to be at the Triad Theater nightclub, whatever you want to call it, the triad, on 72nd Street, West 72nd Street, off of Broadway, on October 23rd um, at 9 p.m. And come on down. It's going to be a lot of great people there. Um, Monifa Carter will be featured. Miss Allison Williams will be featured. Miss Marie Tree Garrett. And yours truly, the Uncle Earl, as well as a host of other singers and artists come on down for the fun there'll be more information and interviews regarding that situation but for now i'm going to get on up out of here because i think i've taken enough of your time for now and i need to go do some more things myself so i want you to have a wonderful blessed day night evening dawn dusk whatever you're having just have it love each other love yourselves love our environment it's in trouble, y'all. And <laughs> none else I can say about that. And in that, we should take time to breathe, relax, and think things through. And I'm going to leave you with a track called Keep Calm by my brother DJ Davin from Revitalize Records. And I want you to just go on out there and make a difference in the world, okay? All right. Till next time, see you later. Ciao.